Wow, that was uh, that was beautiful, especially given uh, we were there in the beginning, and so when we first learned it, and so God's done a mighty work, hallelujah. And so, um, hallelujah. One more time for the missions teams. Yeah, they've been meeting up every they've been meeting up every every Saturday, um, pretty much giving up their entire Saturdays to train. Um, to learn body worship, to learn skits, as well as to pray together and to pray for the, the countries, to prepare for the countries that they're going to, um, that we're going to, actually, because I'll be heading to Myanmar in a week as well. Myanmar team? Woo! Okay, all right. No Myanmar pride right now. It's okay. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our God is good, amen? I don't know. Every time I see body worship, something in me, like, starts to stir a bit. I feel like I'm going to cry, but I don't go that far. I don't know. Like sometimes I do cry with body worship, though, because it's just it's just really an amazing thing that our God is doing, um, especially because our God's going to be he's releasing and he's spoken this to a lot of people, uh, a kind of dance anointing that, you know, we go to these countries where people do not understand the language. They don't understand English, but what they do understand is dance. They do understand the power of dance, the power of skits and the power of that body worship. And so. Uh, we truly believe that God's going to do a mighty work in this body worship. People are going to get healed and set free. I know that many people have, have done this body worship before, and you may have even seen it before. But it's different when it's with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so today the word of the Lord comes to us from Matthew 6, 9 to 13. If everyone could just open your Bibles to that passage. I think it's a common passage. We'll see. Okay, so I want us to read it all together, okay? Verses 9 to 13, Matthew 6. If everyone's there, let me hear an amen. amen. Okay, hallelujah, hallelujah. Today I want to hear a lot of amens. I want to hear if, if God speaks to you, I want to hear it. I want to hear that, that God is speaking to you. So give me an amen or give me a, a right in the back. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. Give me one of those. If God's speaking to you, I don't, don't just sit there, you know. Shout it out to the Lord. Declare it to the Lord and to everyone else that you're being blessed, okay? And that's what I want to hear as we go through this message, all right? Right. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Our God is amazing. All right, verses 9 to 13. All right, one, two, three. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And it goes on to say, actually, uh, from, deliver us from the evil one. Why? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but thank you, media team. All right, so that is commonly referred to as what? The Lord's Prayer, right? And so this whole week, like earlier this week on about Tuesday, I was just like in my prayer time and I was just walking down the street because a lot of times that's usually how I pray. I'm just walking and my eyes are open, but I'm just having a conversation with God. And usually he drops a lot of nuggets of revelation in my spirit. And I, I, I'm really blessed by the time I get home. So it's really good. 
Um, but thank you, Faye. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. Good stuff. And so I just felt the Lord was impressing upon me the Lord's Prayer. And I was like, the Lord's Prayer, you know, that's like, I hear that all the time, you know. And, um, and so I was like, really, Lord? But then on, on, Tuesday, on Thursday, I was in my room on, on the MacBook, and I was downloading music off of iTunes. And I just started randomly, like, downloading some worship music from uh, Kim Walker from Bethel Church, as well as, well as like, a, a man by the name of Rick Pino, P-I-N-O. Uh, a lot of different worship leaders uh, that do a lot of intercessory worship and a lot of spontaneous worship. And um, I was listening to one of the songs, and they just kept, it was pretty much the Lord's Prayer in the song. And I was like, okay. All right. Okay. And so I was like, okay, God, I'll start, I'll start a message with it and we'll see, we'll see what happens. And I was just started the, what the Lord was speaking to me about it. But then I was still kind of antsy. I had a dream actually that night, Thursday night, I woke up I, well, in my dream. I wasn't awake. I was asleep. Obviously in my dream, I was here at church and I run up and like Aaron Samonim, who's not here. She's in Australia right now. was sitting there at where she usually sits. And I'm like, Oh, snap. I forgot my message. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And she's like, just go up and preach. And I'm like, okay. So I run up. I just grab like my journal and I just start preaching from that. And so I felt the Lord was saying, Marcus, you need to really get going on a message. And I still wasn't sure. So I was like, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll work on maybe another word that you're speaking to me. But then Friday night at um, Friday Fire, which I encourage you all to come out to, um, come out and pray with us. Our brother Roy was leading a prayer topic, and the last prayer topic he led was the Lord's Prayer. I was like, okay, okay, Jesus. All right, right, yeah, you know? That's why I was like, okay, all right, so I will just go with the Lord's Prayer, and we'll see where it leads. And then, last night, just to make sure that I was certain and pretty sure what he was talking about, he, he hits me with the Lord's Prayer again. Pastor Daniel at Kingdom First Prayer Meeting, if you came out, he preached from Matthew 6. And he preached from verses 1 to 14. So he went right by the Lord's Prayer. And it was pretty funny because he preached all around the Lord's Prayer, except for the Lord's Prayer. And I, was, I said to John Michael right before, I was like, is he going to say my message? <laughs> but, you know, lo and behold, it's not my message. It's God's message. Amen. And then... And then earlier today, during praise, we did not coordinate this at all. But when we were singing, let your glory fall in this room, the, the bridge, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. So I'm fairly certain that God has a word for you today. All right. I am 100% certain in my spirit that God has a word for you today. All right. So I'm going to read it one more time. Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hey, let's bow our heads real quick in prayer. Our Father, Lord, we just thank you so much 
We thank you for this church. We thank you, Lord God, that, Father, the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead lives in each one of us, God. And I thank you, Father God, that, Lord, today, Father God, you have a special word for each person in this room, Lord God. That, Father God, they would not leave here today saying, Lord God, that they did not receive anything from you today, Father, because you are here, Jesus, and you are here for them, Lord God, to bestow something in their spirits, in their lives for your glory, God. Father God, we pray, Lord God, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to the knowledge of you to be released in this place, God. That, Father God, the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened unto you, Lord God. And, Father, your glory would truly fall in this place, Lord. I pray, Father God, against every work of the enemy. He is nothing. He is a fly to your work, Father God. And so, Lord God, we cast him down in the name of Jesus. We cast down every high thought. We, we make it obedient to the name of Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father God, we pray, Lord God, that today, Lord, you would open up your word, open up the scripture, Lord. Show us things in your word, Lord God, that we can never see with our own natural eyes. Quicken our spiritual eyes today, Lord God. Quicken our hearts today, Father, to be touched by you. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Our God is good. It's not the stirring up here. Well, so last week I spoke to you about the knowledge of God. Y'all remember that? I spoke to you about the knowledge of God and not just about knowing him, but specifically about how when you, you when you start to know him, you come to a place of intimacy, holiness and power with our God. And that's what comes from knowing our God, coming to a closer part of knowing our God, that when you see him with your heart, and not your eyes, it will apprehend you. It will take you captive and you will truly begin to fall in love with Jesus. You'll fall in love with God and you, it will change the entire scope of your life. And so today I want to continue upon that because last week I talked to you a lot about the knowledge of God. And really what I was trying to talk to you about was the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That the knowledge of God would come upon you and it would quicken in you a love for Jesus, a love for the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, everything that is within you, loving the Lord. And so the Lord calls us to a knowledge of him. Amen. Amen. And it's such an amazing thing that us in our forms, such lowly and despised creatures in our sin are redeemed as children of the father. That we get to enjoy such a call to the knowledge of God. But today I want to expand upon that. So today is kind of a part two of of the last sermon. Okay. So last week I talked a lot to you about the knowledge of God. And I talked to you about how you need to get in that place of intimacy with the father. You need to pursue after him. You need to run after him. You need to just be praying to God. Open up the eyes of my heart that I may see you clearly. That my life will be awakened unto you. And so today, I'm not going to talk purely about that, but I'm going to expand upon the knowledge of God. Because, see, when you come to understand the knowledge of God and when you become to that knowledge of the Father is impressed upon your heart, what that also means is that you're called to the kingdom. You're called to the kingdom of God. And that's what I'm referring to when I say the kingdom. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. See, if you come to a greater understanding of who God is, you see that the intimacy with God also requires a kingdom-like focus. That Jesus, when he preached, he did not just say that you should love him, but he also talked about being in the kingdom. The kingdom was very much the paradigm in which Jesus was speaking. And so today I want to talk to you about 
the kingdom. I want to talk to you about kingdom things. So that's why the title of my sermon, if it's up there, is Kingdom Things. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I want to know some kingdom things. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you can repeat the hallelujahs if you want to. That's more praise to our God. Hallelujah. So we're going to expand upon talking about the knowledge of God to talking about his rule and reign and talking about the kingdom of heaven. That's what it is. The rule and reign is the kingdom of heaven. And so to do this, we're going to visit one of the most common scriptures. We all know it. We can all sing it. We can recite it. We can we will probably sing it today. John Michael, get ready. (laughs) And it's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So today we're going to tackle this verse bit by bit, phrase by phrase. And I'm not going to talk about it as a step-by-step for you to know how to pray. Okay? See, a lot of times we, we hear the Lord's Prayer, and that's the only way we hear about it. But there's some truths that God has placed in this prayer that is going to unlock some things in your lives. It's going to unlock some greater faith when you pray even, when you walk out your lives as kingdom beings to see God move in power in your life. Are you ready for that? Let me hear an amen. See, God does not just want you to be an army of God. He wants you to be an army who knows your commander. He wants you to be an army that knows that you are fighting for the kingdom. Hallelujah. And that's what he wants to be quickened in you today. So I'm going to start with the first part of it. Pray then like this. Our Father. All right. So verse 9 starts off. The Lord's Prayer starts off with our Father. So we'll stop right there for a second. Because there's a truth in that right there. Bam. Truth. The Lord is your father. The Lord is your father. He's my father. He's your father. He's our father. And as I preached last week, our God is the Genesis one God. He's the God who created us. He said in the beginning, I created the heavens and the earth. He created all things. He fashioned you. He made you. God created everything. And he is the father of all things. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. I'm going to be going over a lot of scriptures today, so you may not have time to flip through it, but write it down. Listen to the podcast later. Review the scriptures and let the word of God, as you hear it over and over again, quicken faith in you today. Okay? So, Revelation 4, 9 also says, worthy are you, our Lord and God. All glory, honor, and power go to him. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Our God created all things, right? Our God created all things, and by his will they existed and were created. But he's also our father. James 1.17 says he calls him the father of lights. See, God is not just the creator God. Many of us, we can understand that God created everything. Right now, I was just saying God created everything, and everyone's like, okay. I knew that already. I knew God created everything. Thank you, Pastor Marcus. It's good revelation. Thank you. (laughs) Many of us have no problem understanding that God created the heavens and the earth, that he created everything. But we have trouble connecting with the fact that he's our father. I had trouble connecting with the fact that God's my father. They say usually that if you have no father figure in your life, 
that's the hardest thing that you have to connect with is God being your father. And so for me, that was the hardest thing for me to connect with is that God is my father because I never had a father other than God. But God is more than enough of a father. See, God is the God who deep down, he looks at you as a father sees you. He delights in you. He rejoices in you. He delights in you. He rejoices in you. And he wants to shepherd and care for you as a father. One second. God delights in you. God loves you. God, he made you. And he made you with the love that a father makes you. Isaiah 9, 6 calls our God the everlasting father. Psalm 68, 5 says God is the father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. First John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. See, there is unbelievable power in knowing that God is your father. See, if you don't if you don't know that God is your father. You don't know that you have this heritage. You don't know that you have this line that God has placed before you where he has put blessing and favor and honor and power in your life because you are a son of the father. You are a daughter of the father. You are a daughter of the king. You have to connect with the fact that God is your father because there is power in that. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is my daddy. Say it like you mean it. God is your daddy. See, I will watch, I will watch on, on like YouTube and XP Media. And then one time like uh, Heidi Baker came up to uh, Seoul for our brother Noberto and our sister Monica's wedding. And as she came up and she was just, she was blessing the marriage. But it was pretty much she was just talking to God. And it was, it was beautiful because the entire time all she said was Papa. Papa, Papa, Papa. Noberto, I talked to Noberto. He's like, Papa loves you. I'm like, Papa? Who's Papa? (laughs) Because I've never used those words, Papa. I never used the words, Daddy, until God revealed that he is my father. He is your father. He is your Papa. You can come before God, get on your knees and say, Lord, I love you, Daddy. Because God is your father. And there's power in that. Because the first thing that the enemy will try to attack is that you're not God's child who are you you're nothing but Jesus said right here our father because God is your father amen and if God is your father what does that make you his child you are a child of God oh hallelujah you are a child of God first John 3 2 says beloved that means those who are loved beloved by the father Hallelujah. We are God's children. Beloved, we are God's children. So if you want kingdom things to happen in your life, you have to first understand that you are God's child. God is your father. And you have to connect with that father heart of God. The second thing Jesus said in the Lord's prayer, he said, our father in heaven. I like the kingdom James version, the King James version, kingdom James. I like the I like the King James version because he says our father who art in heaven. Oh hallelujah. Our father is in heaven. See when Jesus talks about the father when he says that the hope is that your heart would connect with who you are in relationship to the father. 
and you would connect with his heart for you. And the next line, when he says who are in heaven, our father in heaven, it's not just a directional kind of thing. It's not just saying, okay, your father's in heaven. I don't see him every day. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is calling you to set your mind on the fact that God is higher than all things, that your father is the highest above all things. He is the highest. Colossians 3, 2 says, set our minds on things above and not on the things of this world. The revelation that God is in heaven is a power revelation. It is a revelation that you need to get in your spirit. It seems like it's just regular knowledge, right? Everyday knowledge. Yes, God is in heaven. But when you really come to grips with the fact that God is in heaven, you come to the knowledge that this God, the same God that created us, the same God in which the word says we move and have our being, who in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. This God, he sits on a throne in heaven. He is enthroned, worshiped day and night, 365 days a year, every moment of every day. That is our God. Our God sits on a throne in heaven. He's not just your father. He is a king. And he is enthroned in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. When Jesus says our father who art in heaven, he's not just saying it so you would repeat it out of religion or out of duty because you know it comes next after our father. He's saying it because your heart and mind need to connect with the reality that even right now, right now, 10,000 by 10,000 angels are worshiping your father. That the four living creatures are surrounded about around surrounded your father and they're worshiping him day and night. They're worshiping him, worshiping him, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. The God who was and is and is to come. He's saying you need to connect with the fact that right now your father In heaven is being worshipped by 24 elders who they get up from their thrones. They cast their crowns before the God of all creation because they see new revelation of his glory every moment. That's your father. That's your God. And that's a power revelation. Because demons shudder before that. See, the 24 elders who themselves sit on the throne, they can't even fathom Standing before the one of such transcendent glory. And see, it's a power revelation because you realize that that father who's being worshipped day and night in heaven. One day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And that is your father. That you share in that line with him. It's a kingdom reality that will completely wreck the way you call out to the Lord. See, if you just think that God is just everywhere, or if you just think that God is just around, you'll talk to him almost any way. But if you understand that God is the king above all kings, sitting and ruling on his throne, but he is also your father, jealous for you with a passionate and holy love, there's power in that knowledge. There's power that no weapon formed against you will prosper against. That you know that you have You have angels backing. You have chariots of fire beside you because your father commissions them to guard you because he's in heaven and he has dominion over all things. Psalm 103, 17 to 19 says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. 
The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. See, Jesus is calling you to connect with that. He's not just calling you to just say, our father who art in heaven. He's saying, our father, oh my God, you are in heaven. You are enthroned, Lord. Oh, you are a mighty God. Hallelujah. All praise go to our God. And then next Jesus says, he says, hallowed be your name. See, Jesus meant so much more than just teaching us how to pray. He was trying to teach the disciples to dive deeper into the knowledge of our God. He was teaching them to dive deep in a way that would impact them and transform the way that they view the things of God. Even in saying, hallowed be your name. There is power in that. All scripture is God breathed. When Jesus said this, there's power in every single word. When God said, hallowed be your name, he was calling the disciples to a kingdom revelation of the holiness of God. So that God was our father, that God sits on a throne in heaven and that our God is holy. Revelation 4, 8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Who was and is and is to come. Every time I read that, I would always be like, why do they keep saying it three times? And I didn't really receive it until I was in McDonald's with my roommate, John. He, he rooms, I have a roommate because I stay at Torch. And we're in McDonald's. And we're just talking about the throne. We're talking about the throne room. And he was like, Marcus, I don't know if you get this. But they didn't have Microsoft Word back then. They couldn't write things in italics. They couldn't write things in bold. You know this, right? That when they write things three times, it means the completion of it. It's for emphasis. It's meaning the completion of holiness. That when the four living creatures were standing before our God, they weren't just saying, holy, holy, holy. They were saying it in one loud, glorious cry. Holy are you, our Lord and God. My roommate, he did this in McDonald's while we were standing in the line. It's like, but John, I, I guess you're really excited about that holiness. <laughs> Everyone was looking at us like the random, like, you know, foreigners screaming holy in McDonald's. <laughs> but there's so much power in that because our God is holy. See, Revelation 4, 8 is meant to direct your attention to the fullness of how holy God is. The perfect revelation of holiness that our God is. And Jesus in Matthew 6 is calling you to that same revelation. When you declare the holiness of the Lord back to him, what you begin to realize in your heart is how without him, you're so wretched. Without him, you're nothing without the Lord. That when you see how holy our God is, you're humbled because you see how wretched you could be in the flesh without him. Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous. No, not even one. Isaiah 53.6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. See, God is so holy, so righteous that no one can stand before him and say, I have not sinned. Because no one is righteous in their own light in view of his holiness. And see, the enemy will try and use that word for condemnation. Oh, you're not righteous. You're not holy. But this is an amazing word. This is amazing revelation for you. Because if you realize how powerful your God is, your God is the completion of holiness. He is perfect in his holiness. 
What other God is there but our God? For who is God but the Lord? Who is a rock except for our God? Our God is the perfection of holiness. He is the name above all names, the king above all kings, the Lord above all lords. And he is holy that no Buddha, nothing can approach our God because our God is set apart. He is the completion of holiness. He is perfect in his holiness. And you are his children. He's making you holy too. The word says, for you are my strong refuge. You make my way blameless. There's a power in knowing your God is holy. You need a God that is holy. You need a God that is higher than you. Not a God that is down here. If he's just someone that meets our own standards of holy and righteousness, there's no power in that. There's no power if we worship the things of this earth. But there is power when we worship the God who sits on the throne and is holy above all things. And Jesus knew this. And that's why he said, when you pray, you say, hallowed be your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) So. After Jesus says all these things, he says, our father who art in heaven, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's just setting up the disciples. He's setting them up. He's setting them up. He's saying, God is your father. He sits on a throne. He is, he is enthroned in his glory and he's worshiped day and night. And there's nothing that can reach him without him being, without him drawing them near to him. He is so holy. He is so righteous. And then he goes, your kingdom come, your will be, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. That word, your kingdom come, your will being done. This was God, Jesus hitting them with a bombshell. He was hitting them. He was saying, this is your God. Your God is so amazing. Your God is your father. Your God, he created all things. He is in heaven. Oh, hallowed be his name. But he will come down to you. The kingdom of heaven will come down to you. This was Jesus teaching them to pray Jesus. This was Jesus teaching them to pray for God to come. This was Jesus teaching about himself, even in a prayer. Oh, you need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to pick this up. Father God, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would release, Lord God, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in this place unto the knowledge of you, Lord God. That, Father God, the hearts of these people in here, Lord God, will be awakened, Lord God, to the Maranatha spirit, Lord God. Come, Lord Jesus, in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Because see, when Jesus is saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. He is talking about himself. He is he is making himself up on high. He is enthroning the God of all creation. And then he brings it down to them. See, Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the incarnation of the kingdom of heaven. The God of glory coming down and taking on a form of a servant. Of the lowest of things. See the kingdom of God. Is God. Heaven is not a place. It is a person. See when we go to heaven. We're not. We're not going to be all just like. Man. I really like this mansion. That God made for me. No we're going to be. We're going to be in awe. And in majesty at our God. We're just going to be. Just awestruck. Our jaws are going to drop. We're going to be on our faces. Because our God is so amazing. 
searching out his glory with our eyes because there's just so much of him. And so when Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done, he's talking about God. He's talking about God coming down to earth. And this points to the awesome power of the Lord and how far the God of all creation would travel for you. I hope you get this, that the Lord, the name above all names, the king above all kings, the everlasting father, the one who is worthy, our Lord and God who created all things and by his will they exist and were created. The Lord above all lords, the God who made the earth and everything in it, the world and all who dwell in it, the God of all might, all power, of all love, the God who exists as the fullness of all emotion, all passion, all holiness. All justice and mercy. He came down for you. And he's coming for you. See what Jesus is talking about when he says your kingdom come. Your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the incarnation. He's talking about the God that sits on the throne with the swirls of glory and majesty upon him. And he is such an awesome God. He is a consuming fire. This God, this God of passion and love, this God looking upon a wretched creation that has sinned against him and taking on the form of a servant, the kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus talking about Jesus. This is Jesus talking about himself taking on the form of a servant, sitting at the right hand of the father and saying, I will go for them. So that my kingdom will come, my will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, this is a revelation to the heart. And it's not just one that you receive when you become Christian. But the gospel has to be something that captivates you every single moment of your life. The kingdom coming, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Has to be that on your heart that breaks the most. Because you realize how mighty your God is. He is your father. He is in heaven. Hallowed be his name. And he would take on the form of a servant. He would take on the form of the lowest of things. Philippians 2, 6-7 says, Who though he was in the form of God, talking about Jesus, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. He knew that we could not reach that standard of holiness. We knew he knew that we could not be as hallowed as his name. But he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. But it wasn't just that Jesus took on the likeness of a man. It wasn't like Jesus stepped down and he was like, I'm a carpenter. I'm buff Jesus. Here I am to save the world. But he came. He became even lower than that. The God of all creation who created all things became a baby. He became the smallest of things, the most precious of things. So precious, so helpless for you and I that his parents had to take him and move him to Egypt because Herod was chasing after him. That he subjected himself to that for you. This is the Lord our God. This is your father who art in heaven. Hallowed be his name. This God of ours then living a life of absolute purity and holiness separate from sin. So that he and he alone will be able to pay the price that our sin had bared. 
so that he and he alone would be able to be the ransom for us. But not just that we would be free, but that he would unjustly take on our punishment all for love and dying a horrible death, being stripped and stricken and forsaken for you and I. When Jesus says your kingdom come, your will be done. He's talking about himself. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the price that he must pay for us. The kingdom coming, the will of the father being done on earth as it is in heaven is Jesus. And this is Jesus teaching about Jesus. And he's telling us that we have to call out for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven in our lives. We have to pray for Jesus to come. That the cry of our hearts has to be Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, God. Come into every area of our lives, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, come into my life. Come into the dark areas. Come into my sickness. I need healing, Lord. Come. Lord, I need breakthrough, Lord. Come into my finances, Lord. Come into, Father God, my pain. Come into my family. Come into my church. Come into this church, Lord God. That our hearts will be awakened to you, Lord. This is Jesus teaching us to pray, Jesus. That when we pray the kingdom come, your will being done, we're praying, Jesus, come into our campuses, come into our nation, come into our our world. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's nothing less. When we pray, it has to be Jesus come. The cry of our hearts has to be Jesus come. The kingdom come. Jesus come on earth as it is in heaven. And invade it all. Take it all. Take it all. Take my life, Lord. Take everything in my life. Lord, you you gave up everything for me. You became nothing for me. You became the lowest of things. You made yourself helpless for me all out of love. Take everything, Lord. Because there's nothing, Lord, that compares to your kingdom, compares to what you have for us, Lord. See, church, we have to want the kingdom to invade everything, the kingdom to come. See, the knowledge of God coming upon your hearts is to know God and then to want his kingdom to come into everything and to subject it all to heavenly requirements, to God's requirements. And not modifying things, but making everything new unto him. It says in his word, it says in Revelation, behold, I make all things new. That when the kingdom of heaven comes upon this earth, when Jesus comes in our lives, it makes all things new. I'm not just talking about a second coming later on. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about Jesus coming into your life now, today, at this moment, making all things new. Jesus isn't a God that just sits in heaven and is waiting, looking at his watch, wondering when the time is coming. But that he comes down on earth as it is in heaven and impacts and changes your lives. Shakes you out of your slumber. It says, arise for the time has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. 
Salvation is nearer to you now than when you first believed. The Lord is your salvation. He's your deliverer. He's your rock in whom you take refuge. For his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. See, the incarnation, the sinless life, and the victorious cross and resurrection was all the kingdom of heaven being established here on earth for the believers. See, when Jesus even sent out his disciples, when he was still on earth, he said, go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's go and proclaim that Jesus is here. Go and proclaim that the kingdom is coming. The will of the Father is being done on earth as it is in heaven. And what did that look like? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. See, it was the presence of Jesus, the authority and kingdom reign of Jesus that allowed his people to go out in power. And that's all they needed. They didn't need a step-by-step way of of praying for healing. They didn't need a step-by-step way of praying for deliverance. If you need healing and you need deliverance, all you need is Jesus. When his kingdom comes upon your life, there is no sickness in the kingdom. There is no iniquity in the kingdom. There is only holiness, health. There is only life in the kingdom. He said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. There is no sickness in the kingdom. There is no oppression in his kingdom. You need Jesus. And that's all they needed. That's all the disciples needed was Jesus. And that's all we need. And see, Jesus has left us his Holy Spirit to be his witness. So that when his Holy Spirit goes out, it will bear witness about Jesus. That Jesus comes in the Holy Spirit to touch his people. John 15, 26 says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. See, the kingdom coming on earth is Jesus. I can't say that enough because it's ingrained on my heart. The kingdom coming on earth is Jesus in everything. John 15, 5 said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing without Jesus. The kingdom of God will not advance just by us praying prayers of talk. It will not advance just by stepping out out of compulsion. That we evangelize only because we have to. It will only advance through Jesus, through the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. And when you come and you meet people, you don't have to pray elaborate prayers. You don't have to say, oh, Father, God, Jesus, I want you to do all. No, you don't have to give all these long prayers. Just say, Lord, kingdom come will be done on this person, Lord. Bring your kingdom upon this person. And that brings the power of God because Jesus comes upon them. See, Jesus is telling us to call for the kingdom to come and to change things here on earth today. 
for the kingdom of light to be established, for God to once again incarnate himself onto our situations, into our lives, to rout the works of the enemy. See, the kingdom coming, the will being done, that's the gospel. Jesus took on the form of a servant to rout the works of the enemy. And when you pray the kingdom come, you're saying, Jesus, come once again. Come once again, show your love, manifest your power over the works of the enemy. First John 3 eight says the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The kingdom coming lived out each and every day is power as the kingdom comes upon our lives. And see, the kingdom brought upon your life will change things. Jesus told us to speak forth the kingdom coming into our lives. And there's three things I want to I want to show you from the rest of this passage. That are our characteristics of the kingdom. They're the things that God is showing, even in the Lord's prayer, about his kingdom coming. That he wants you to unlock and experience in your life today. See, the first thing, the first thing Jesus said after he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And many of us look at this phrase and we think that it's just God talking about, Lord, give us bread today. Lord, make sure that we have food. That we, but see, God is calling that we would pray more than just a prayer of sufficiency. But we would pray prayers of overflow. See, we no longer live on the worldly economies. We no longer live on the worldly the things of this world. When we call out to God, we're not calling out for him to just bless us with the worldly things. But we call out to him for him to open up the storehouses of heaven and to bring about his kingdom economy in our lives. To bring about his kingdom reality in our lives. John 10.10 10 said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Not that they would just have life, but that they would have it abundantly. Jesus is talking about the abundance and the fullness of the heavenly economy, the storehouses of heaven, the windows of heaven from Malachi 3, 10 and 12 that will make your land one that never fails to bear. As it says in Malachi 3, 10 and 12, it says that as he opens up the windows of heaven, your land will become a land of delight. That your fruit will never cease to bear. See, what Jesus was teaching his disciples is that when the bread of life, when the true nourishment, when Jesus comes into the earth, when the kingdom of heaven takes over this earth, we as his people have a different supply to draw from. You're not just drawing from KB Bank. You're not just drawing from Udi Bank. You're drawing from a kingdom economy. You're drawing from the storehouses of heaven. See, we're no longer taken from nothing to something. Sometimes we look at this, give us this day our daily bread, and we think that God takes us from nothing to something. Lord, just, just give us something. But see, when we enter into his kingdom, when we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven, God no longer takes us from nothing to something. See, he did that when he breathed his breath of life into us. We were nothing. We were dead in our transgressions. We were apart from God. We were nothing. But he made us something. He made us his children. But when after that, God doesn't just take us from no, he doesn't take us from nothing to something. He takes us from something to something, from glory to glory. 
So when you speak to God about kingdom things and you are calling out to him to give you this day, your daily bread, God is saying to you, depend on me, draw near to me and I will meet all your needs. According to my riches and glory, not according to my poverty, according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And he will further you from glory to glory, from strength to strength. See, God had given me a, I was thinking a lot about bread as I was preparing this. Maybe that's because I was fasting on Friday. But I was thinking a lot about bread. And um, God spoke to me about when Jesus feeds the 10,000 in John, uh, the 5,000 in John 6. And the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000, Jesus shows his glory. He shows this kingdom principle to receive not just the day, but to receive it from glory to glory. See, in that story, there's the 5,000, right? And there's the disciples. And the 5,000 are hungry. And there's the disciples and Jesus. And they're like, how are we going to feed these 5,000 people? And then they see this kid that walks by. And the kid's got five loaves and two fish. Come here, kid. Let me get these five loaves and two fish. And then God breaks it. Jesus, he takes it. He breaks it and he feeds it all, right? And then there's, there's more than enough, right? And as, at first I was thinking about it. I was like, yes, Lord, you give overflow. Hallelujah. Lord, you give so much overflow. But the Lord was like, no, this is a kingdom reality. Because think about this little boy. This little boy was walking around with five loaves and two fish. I don't know about you, but I can't eat one loaf of bread in one day, let alone five, let alone two fish along with it. I can't make that many fish sandwiches. But what the Lord was showing me with this was he's saying and he's saying it to you right now is that. That kid, God had given him an overflow. That kid had more than enough. He had more than enough fish, more than enough bread for himself. And then God took his overflow And he made it an overflow for thousands. And so that's what God's wanting to do in your lives. Not just a daily bread, not just a small bread, but that he would put overflow in your lives. And then as he takes that overflow, he gives you that life. He would turn that life into life to the full. He would turn that overflow into an overflow for nations. See, Jesus said, it's not just good enough that you have life. But you are citizens of heaven. You are citizens of the kingdom. I want you to have life abundantly. See, when Jesus comes down to earth and he invades the things of the natural, he makes them supernatural to us. But they're not supernatural to God. They're natural to God. It's so that the supernatural to us would become natural. Jesus invades these things and he does these overflow to overflow, glory to glory. So that the supernatural will become natural. Many of you right now, you're sowing in the natural. Lord, I need, Lord, I'm barely getting by. Lord, I need, Lord, please, Lord God, there's nothing there. Lord, how will you use me? Lord, saying, pray for the kingdom to come in in your life. And I will give you an overflow. And not just that, but that overflow will go on to be overflowing thousands. There's many of you today that God has blessed you with an overflow, an overflow of joy, an overflow of life, an overflow of even finances, an overflow of love. 
so that he would take it from glory to glory. An overflow for you that would end up being an overflow for thousands. And you got to receive that. That's a kingdom reality right there. That's how the kingdom works. Glory to glory. Not from zero to something. From glory to glory. He gets so much glory in just calling you his own. But he's wanting to take you further. Oh, hallelujah. And then Jesus went on and he said, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So, so the first thing that one of the first kingdom realities is that God brings us from glory to glory. That he brings us from overflow to overflow in our lives. But see, the kingdom of God is not like any regular kingdom we see here on earth. See, your king, the kingdom coming, your will being done on earth as it is in heaven is not just a divine invitation for you to come and die and live with Jesus in heaven. It's a call, a commission for the sons and daughters of God to see Jesus rule and reign now. Amen. Are you getting this? Amen. See, God is building up a house. It says in his word that he's building up a house and Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And he's wanting his house not to be rugged, not to be ragged, but it to be a glorious one. And as we are citizens of heaven and as God is calling us into kingdom things, it is building up his house with glory. See, the question is, how are you going to contribute? He will build for himself a glorious house, one of splendor and majesty befitting a king. But the question is, what are you willing to contribute? In the next part, Jesus goes on to teach us to ask God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And we like to see this as a call to forgiveness. And that is true. God is calling us to forgive. It says it has the word right there. Forgive. But I want you to grasp also the kingdom truth in this phrase. See, no one cancels or forgives a debt unless they have received something better in return. See, what you got to understand is that when God canceled the debt that you owed him because of sin, it wasn't because you could pay it back. It wasn't because you went on a on a God payment plan. It is because God had received so much more in his son, Jesus. And when the kingdom came through Jesus and he died and he paid that propitiation, it paid that debt. And God has received so much more through his son, Jesus. And see. None of us, we, none of us cancel debts unless we get something better in return. If you have no money, if you're broke and someone owes you money, it's probably going to be pretty hard for you to be like, hey, don't worry about it. You can pay me back some other time. If you're broke, usually someone's going to come up to you and be like, hey, I'm, I'm broke, dude. I, I need that money now. Pay me back. But see, the kingdom reality is that God has given, God has received so much more. So it cancels our debts and therefore we can cancel the debts that are owed unto us. Matthew 18, 23 to 30 is the parable of the unforgiving servant who owed the king 10,000 talents. It's the equivalent of millions of dollars today, but whose debt was canceled by the king. But it wasn't just grace that compelled that king. It was also the fact that this guy was a king. His storehouses were full. He could afford to cancel that debt. See, the debt of the man was nothing to him because he already had something greater. And in the same way, God forgives our debts because he already has himself. He gave himself up for us. He has that payment. 
And God says that you and I can cancel every debt that has been given unto us, not out of some comparison that forces us to do it, but because we are compelled out of the amazing riches that we enjoy in our God. Luke 12, 32 says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, you are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven. And God has given you the keys to the kingdom. And he's telling us that when we pray, when we live, when we encounter those around them, around us, we live with the knowledge of God who has freely, with pleasure, given us the kingdom. We are rich in him. We draw not from the world's economy with its failing markets, with its failing systems that the enemy has helped man to draw up to keep it blind and complacent. But instead, from the kingdom's economy, from heavenly storehouses that never run out, from wells that never run dry. That we draw from power and anointing and fire from on high that stays continually burning hot. See, we are not of this world, brothers and sisters. We are of the kingdom. And kingdom citizens have no need for the debts and the trespasses of this world. We can freely give because what we freely receive in Christ and in the kingdom is greater than anything else this world has. When you pray for the kingdom to come upon your life, it does not just bring about salvation. It brings about the riches of glory. It brings about the golden laden streets. It brings about the gemstones in heaven. It brings about a wealth that says we will lend and not borrow. We will be the head and not the tail. We will eat from the wealth of nations. That is the, king, that is the heritage of the saints. That is the riches to which we draw from. So you look out upon the earth and you look out upon all these churches that God is moving in. And he's blessing them with the kingdom reality. It's stuff that like is blowing my mind as, as I hear about it. As I hear about stuff like gold showing up randomly in services. Gemstones, diamond dust. What you got to understand is that that's a kingdom reality. That what God has in heaven for us is better than anything we can have on this earth. It's better than the money. It's better than the cars. It's better than anything here. And some of us, we act like we don't want to receive it. Oh, I don't know if the things of the kingdom are for today. But if God gave you a Lexus tomorrow, you wouldn't say that the Lexus is not for today. If you gave if you gave you the keys to the Lexus, you would say, thank you, Jesus. This Lexus is probably for today. I'm going to drive it. How much more the kingdom of God? That he's given you the keys to the kingdom. He died and rose again that you would have access to all that is in heaven for you. Not just in eternity from now, but today. And he's calling you to draw from that. Not to wallow day in and day out in the things of this world. As if the things of this world would nourish us. God's placed a God-shaped void in us. He's placed holy cries in us. There's a void in us that wants the things of heaven, not the things of this world. And that's what you have to cry out for. His kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That you will be able to forgive your debtors, not because you have to, but because you want to. Because you are so richly endowed with the things of heaven that it means nothing to you when a brother owes you something. When someone sins against you. Because it was your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It goes on to say in that verse, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Because what God is saying is, give up everything because I have already given you more than enough. Give up everything on this earth. 
Because the riches I have for you are in glory and splendor. He's calling you to draw from kingdom resources that will empower you to live kingdom lives. And the next, a third thing is that Jesus says, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh, hallelujah. This is a word that shakes the enemy at his core. Because, see, when you become you come to grips with the things of the kingdom, you come to the grips with the things of the kingdom coming, the will of the father being done here on earth as it is in heaven. You realize that the enemy has nothing on you. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven, which God has promised to continually deliver you out of everything. He says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. He says, I am making you a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls. That when you stand before them, you will proclaim everything that I command you to say. Because I am with you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. You are a citizen of the kingdom. There was this video that I was watching from this guy named Todd White. And Todd White is this man. He, he's an evangelist. He's got a prophetic anointing on his life. And he goes out into the streets. He goes out into the streets and he prays for people. And people are getting healed. People are getting set free. And immediately, I mean, they're getting healed and set free. They immediately, they become Christians. Right there on the streets. That people are coming into the kingdom in droves every time he goes out. And he was speaking and he was, he was speaking in this video and he was talking. He was saying that we as God's people need to connect with the identity of being citizens of heaven. That we are seated with Jesus in heaven. That the earth is our footstool. See, the earth is Jesus' footstool. And if we're sitting, right, if we're seated with Jesus, what does that make the earth to us? Our footstool. That we in heaven, we are seated with God in heaven and we are seated in the highest places with our God. Which means he has given us authority and power over all the works of the enemy. To rout demons. To rout the enemy's works. That the highest point of hell cannot touch the lowest point of heaven. And we are seated at the highest place with our God. He said, if you want to send the enemy a message, you write it on your heel. So that when you stand... The enemy has to look up to read the message on your heel because you stand over him. And that's a kingdom reality. See, a lot of us look at this and say, lead us not into temptation. Oh, is God going to lead me into temptation? Oh, is God going to make these things happen? No. That's not our God. God does not tempt you. He's a father of lights. There is no change in him. Every good and perfect gift comes from our God. But even when we are tempted, our God is graceful. He's gracious. He gives us the strength so that we may stand up out of it. He gives us a way out. He delivers us through the kingdom. He says he delivers you so that you may stand in it. That you may stand in that temptation. What he's saying, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from Satan. He's saying that when you connect with the kingdom. And you understand that you are a citizen of heaven. You are a child of God. You are God's treasure possession. You are fearless. You are untouchable. The enemy cannot touch you. You may be sick. You may be hurting. The enemy cannot touch you. Proclaim it over your life. 
Because he cannot. And anything that hits you, it is God allowing it to make you stronger. Out of his love. And that he's with you. Building you up the whole time. He's saying that he want, God wants you to connect with that identity. So that when you stand. And you stand before the enemy. You don't fear Satan. Satan fears you. So many of us in here are afraid of Satan. We think Satan is so big. And Satan's tormenting us and he's lying to us. He's saying, I have control over your life. I can make you do whatever I want you to do. You're going to live like this forever. But when the kingdom comes, when Jesus comes into your life on earth as it is in heaven, the enemy, he's a footstool. He's under your feet. You command him to go. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a soldier of God. You can put 10,000 to flight. He commands his angels concerning you to guard you. He knows you. He's around you right now, even protecting you. He is your shield. He is your fortress, your deliverer. This is your father. This is your God that loves you, rejoices in you. And you have to connect with that. You need to ask God, God, give me that heart. Remind me, Jesus, that I am in you and you are in me. And that the enemy cannot touch me. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon fashioned against you will succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is our heritage. This is the heritage of the children of God and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed because you are clothed in righteousness and power. To cut down every work of the enemy. Jesus came on this earth to destroy the works of Satan. His head is crushed. He is nothing but a fly. And you got to stand up. You got to rise up. To this kingdom thing. Realize that you are a citizen of heaven. Realize that you are enthroned with Jesus. And cast off the works of darkness. And the last thing Jesus says. He says. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Forever. See God wants you to connect with this. So that you will rule and reign with Jesus forever. So that you will have a life and life abundantly. Many of your lives, you're tired. You're tired. You've been running this race in the natural. Running it according to the kingdom of this world. According to the rules of this world. But we are not bound by the rules of this world. We are not bound by the things of this world. We live by kingdom things. When God says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We are children of a father who is holy, who is powerful, whose majesty and splendor is beyond what we can even imagine. And that when his kingdom comes, his will being done, that's Jesus coming into our lives. That we have to seek for Jesus to be made known every single moment. 
for the revelation of that to be known to us every single hour of every single day. That he would take us from glory to glory. That he would outfit us with the garments of his kingdom. And that he would cut down the works of the evil one. This world is dark. This world is dark because it doesn't have the light. And you can only go out in power and in glory and in the honor of God. If you understand that you are clothed with him, that you are with him, that you are his child, that he's outfitting you with the weapons of his warfare that are mighty in power, that they cast down every high thing and they demolish every stronghold. That you know that you are in our God and that he is in you. And that his kingdom is coming on this earth. As it is in heaven. Make your hearts. Cry out to the Lord. If your heart is not one that cries for his kingdom to come. For his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ask him for it. Ask him. Say Lord. Give me that spirit Lord God. Lord God make the cry of my heart Lord God to be Maranatha. In everything that I do. That my finances will be Maranatha. That my family, Lord God, Maranatha, come and heal them. Come and set them free, Jesus. The cry of my family, the cry of my friends would be Maranatha. The cry of my church would be Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. The cry of my nation be Maranatha. The cry of North Korea, Lord, make it be Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, on North Korea. Come, Lord Jesus, upon China. Come, Lord Jesus, upon Myanmar. Maranatha, Lord, come. That your heart will burn for him to come. I want us to take this time right now. I want us to come before the Lord in prayer. And we're just going to take a short time. Not long. But we're going to take a short time and I want us to pray. It's so easy for this Christian life to become burdensome and to become routine. But our God is not a God of routines. The angels, as they search out his glory, as the elders search out his glory, they see that he is new every single moment of every day. And for many of you, the cry of your heart's not been, come Lord Jesus. It's just been, Lord, get me through this day. Lord, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm hurting. Get me through this day. But the Lord wants to release in you right now the power of his kingdom. He wants to release upon you a kingdom reality that you would begin to search after kingdom things. And so what I want us to do right now, I want you to pray. I want you to cry out to the Lord. For many of you, these kingdom things seem to be so far off. But the word of the Lord says, call out to me and I will show you deep and unsearchable things you do not know. The Lord, he reveals deep and hidden things. Pray that he would reveal the light of his kingdom into your hearts, into your lives. That he would take you 
up into his presence, up into his glory, up into his throne. And that you be able to partake in the, the joy and the majesty and the riches of his kingdom. Let us take this time right now and let's pray, church. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, oh God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. And Lord, give us this day, Lord God, our daily bread, Lord God, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, Lord. Deliver us, Jesus, for thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, I pray, Father God, over this church, Lord, that, Father God, we would not be satisfied, Lord God, with the things of this earth. We would not be satisfied, Lord God, with the world's economy, with the world's realities. But that, Lord, you would take us, Lord God, into kingdom things, Lord. That, Lord God, the cry of our hearts, Lord God, would be for more of you, God. That you would come into our lives, Lord, and awaken us to the knowledge of you. Awaken us to your kingdom, God. Oh, Lord, there's, there's healing in your kingdom. There's deliverance in your kingdom. There is joy. There's abundance of life in your kingdom, Lord. And we want that kingdom, Lord God, to manifest itself here on earth, Lord God. We're tired of this wretched world, Lord God. Come, Lord Jesus. <coughs> Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Set us on fire for you, God. That, Lord, everywhere we step, Lord God, we would take the good news, Lord God, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that the sick would be healed, the lepers would be cleansed, the dead would be raised, the demons would be cast out. And that, Lord, your name and your glory and your kingdom, Lord, would be ex exalted and proclaimed forever and ever. Lord, bring heaven here on earth, Lord. Invade our reality with your kingdom, Lord. Invade this church with your kingdom, Lord. That this church would not be satisfied, Lord. We wouldn't be satisfied, Lord God, with the, the moves of the Spirit, Lord God. We'd want more, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord, but we would be hungry for more, Lord. Lord God, it's so easy for us to become complacent, Lord. To think that that is all there is to the kingdom, Lord. 
But Father, you have, Lord God, riches and glory and things in heaven, Lord, that we have not even seen before. Things that we could never even imagine, God. And Lord, you are just waiting for the opportunity to bestow it upon your people. When your people pray and they cry out to you. So Lord, open up our hearts. Open up our mouths, Lord God. Give us that burning desire, Lord God, for more of you, Jesus. That your glory would truly fall on this church and on this nation. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who sits on a throne, Jesus. And that you are the fullness of holiness, compassion and love and emotion, Lord. But you looked upon us and you humbled yourself and you took upon the form of a servant to save us, to bless us and to empower us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. All that is within us, Lord, blesses your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.